Hey, good morning. And if I should have said morning wagwan, I would have lost all of you. I'm just saying good morning. What is going on? It's really great, 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 great being here with you for the last few days and more so this morning. I really want to say a big thank you to Pastor Mike and his family. They have been so kind. And you know what happened? I feel so much a part of the family. You know, and I also want to say a big thank you to you. Because I think that together you have made it happen that I can be here with you today. You know, it's amazing that almost 30 years ago, a team from your, a missions team from your state came to Jamaica. Then I was just a little boy running around. You know, it looked as if I had no future. But for somehow they ministered to me and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And 30 years after, here I am in your state. Just to let you know that going on missions, trips, at times you'll never know who you are going to reach. You are not, you'll never know who you are going to touch. And you will never know the results that you will have. You know, for sure, 30 years ago, after they ministered in my area and left, they would have planted some seeds. But they of themselves would not have known what would have happened 30 years after. But today I'm so grateful that they came. I'm so grateful that they, not only that they came to Jamaica, but that they ministered. And uh, there were several of us who gave our lives to Jesus Christ as small boys. And about three or four of us today are in ministry. And at least the three of us are serving in high positions in the assemblies of God back home. You know, I'm saying all of that just to bring the point around as it relates to ministry at the children's homes back home. You know, we operate uh, two children's homes, you call them orphanages, in which we have a total of about 88 children. Most of these children have no parents or grandparents. Some of them might have parents, but their parents are so disconnected that they don't, in, in fact, in themselves, they believe that, hey, we have nobody at all. You know, things would have gotten real bad in the last year because a missionary family that would have started the home, they are no more with us. And hence, all of our support has fallen. You know, as you can see them there, quite a great bunch. You know, you ministering to them, are you sending support to them? You will not know how many of these um, children will be pastors 
in some years to come. In fact, one of those, um, one of our children who came into us in 2002, you know, came in because we have a very, very good Christian home. In fact, they go to church every Sunday morning, same place on campus. We have a good Bible study and prayer meeting on Wednesdays and a very good devotion each morning. And one young lad came and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And today he's now in Bible school training to be a pastor. You know, all because somebody cares. You know, as things are now, our utility bills are way up and really and truly, it will take an act of God for the utilities not to be disconnected. And if utilities are disconnected, you will know the kind of condition that that will leave us in. In fact, my last trip to the home, this one in particular, would have revealed that food has gone down. And um, I've been told that the last school here, a number of our children had to go to school and there were no proper clothing. Books could not be purchased and there were no shoes, etc. So we ask of you that as you pray about the mission trip to Jamaica, and as you think about ways and means how you can assist these are precious children that you'll do whatever God would have placed in your spirit, in your hearts. Because the life that you touch now may just be somebody some years down the road that will become a minister ministering to others. So again, I really want to say a big thank you to Pastor Mike and his family for this glorious opportunity to be here with you. And um, as he told you that my coldest night in all my life <laughs> thus far. <laughs> because I've been hearing that I need to come in January. <laughs> and every time I hear that, it only causes me to crack up a little. <laughs> Because the most I would do is circle in the here and then look down and then, and I'm gone again, you know. But I really want to see a big thank you. In fact, um, I had to sleep in my, in socks and pants and a thick blanket <laughs> on Monday night. And, um, I think it was Wednesday. I had to run from the house to get some sun outside <laughs> because it was that cold. It was that cold. You see, you must understand that our coldest winter is just about 75. <laughs> just about 75. And when, you know, for example, you guys come down in January, it will be about 75. And most Jamaicans will have on their coat, etc. Because it is very cold. <laughs> very cold. All right. So I really want to thank you again, Pastor Mike, for the experience. And most so we gone over on the, on the reservation. I've seen Mike here from the reservation. God bless you, my brother. You're really happy having you this morning. But for a few minutes, if you will follow me, and if you can understand me, 
Because sometimes I do go real fast. <laughs> but I hope I will not do that. This is my second time preaching in a white church, alright? <laughs> my second time. The first time again, it was in Big Fork. And now here at Good Hope. And I'm so happy for that. So, there are times I may just forget where I am and I may get rapid. Like saying, and Lord God say, you know, and just get rapid, all right? But I hope that you'll stay with me. But this morning, you know, I, I really came here with a word to preach. But after meditation last night, I think that God would have shifted my focus and he would have planted something in my spirit that I really want to bring to your attention today. It is my prayer and my hope that this word will reach our hearts. And we will not just leave here feeling excited, but we shall leave here knowing for sure that there is a work that we must do. That they are souls to rescue and they are souls to save. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you look with me real quick to the book of First Kings. And I'll be reading three verses, then I'll turn over to Second Kings and read one verse. So First Kings, the 19th chapter, and I'll be reading from verse 19 to verse 21. Then Second Kings chapter 2 and just verse 1. But if you find some time later on, I would ask that you read as much of these verses as possible. The book of First Kings, the 19th chapter, and the 19th verse declares, So he, speaking of Elijah, departed from there, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. I would love to go through everything, but let's look at verse 1. It declares, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven, by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And today for a few minutes, I just want us to meditate on the topic, I'm going for the anointing. I'm going for the anointing. You will agree with me that the greatest moments of defeat and of discouragement is always after your greatest moment of victory. 
Because many a times uh, we are vulnerable, or rather we are most vulnerable after a victory. You know, you think of many of the sports that you play. And many a times when you expect your team to do well, then they are defeated. And at times they are defeated merely because they are still glorying in the victory that they had in the past days. And uh, was never fully prepared for the enemy or for the other competing team or teams that they have to go up against. And sometimes after the defeat, they would sit down and wonder, why was I ever defeated by that team? After I have defeated a greater team. Because when all is said and done, our greatest moments of defeat and discouragement is always right after our greatest victory. You see, brethren, it is said that people in general are not always programmed to handle defeat and failures. We are more programmed to handle success and victory. And hence, when we are defeated or when we fail, if we are not careful, we give up on everybody and we give up on everything. The call of Elisha to ministry came as a result of this. When the senior prophet Elijah had just had his greatest victory on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal were slain. The prophets of the groves were slain. And Elijah stood on top of the mountain and proclaimed, If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. We are told in the book of the kings that the fire of God came down to show that God is indeed God. And Elijah sent his servant Gehazi to go and look across the sea because he said there is a sound of abundance of rain. This was his greatest moment of victory. But just one day, he got a message. Just one message can change your life. Just one message can change your day. You could be in church today and you are on top of the world. You are binding demons and devils. You are having a great time. You are dancing. You are clapping. You are shouting. But by the time you get outside, your phone rings. And just one message can change your whole time, your whole life, your whole day. Just a text message. Just a phone call. Just somebody on Facebook. Just somebody send you an email. And your day is done. You have forgotten that I was just in church singing a glorious song of joy and gladness, dancing and skipping and shouting 
just one message. Because the enemy, he knows that many a times we are unprepared just after our victory. Buster Douglas took out Mike Tyson in no time. Knock him out. Knock him down. Out cold. Not even the count could have saved him. And Buster Douglas went on to have a good time. But in no time he was defeated. We are not careful. We can be just like that. Because as I said before, we are most vulnerable after our victory. Many a times we are not prepared for what is to come. And therefore, we are defeated by what the enemy sends our way. You see, the Bible tells us that after Elijah was disappointed, discouraged with just one message from Jezebel, he decided that he wanted to pack it up, he wanted to throw it in. There's no more time for God, no more time for ministry, no more time to do my prophetic work, no more time to warn the nation. He ran away, found himself in the bushes, he prayed a prayer. All the prophets are dead and I am the only one and Jezebel is seeking my life. But aren't you happy that it does not matter where we are, God can find us? Aren't you happy that when others give up on you, that God will never leave you nor forsake you? Aren't you glad that you have a friend in Jesus who is everything to you? He is the fairest of 10,000 to your soul. In sorrow, he is your comfort. In trouble, he is your stay. He is a very present help in the time of trouble and it does matter where we go, what we have done but God will always be there hallelujah will always be there so here was a discouraging Christian, a discouraging servant of God, a discouraging person who went away, thought that he would have tricked everybody else, would have lost everybody else. But where he went, God found him. And God had a question for him. God's question was, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And many a times when we have our own look up at the parties, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Look how I was happy at church and now I'm sad and nobody comes to comfort me. God is saying, what are you doing here? You are bigger than that. You are greater than that. You have something inside of you that is great and mighty and and God hath not given unto us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We are armed. We are dangerous. We are the people of the Most High God. Therefore, in your lonely moments, in your sad moments, in your discouraging moments, God is saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
I don't care. I, I didn't come to share in your pity party. I come to get you from where you are to go where you must be. So, you know, Elijah told God what he was doing there, that um, Jezebel and Ahab would have slain the prophets with the sword and arm, would have killed this one and killed that one, and he's the only one. And God said, hey, don't you get it? You know, you are getting it all mixed up. You are not the only one. Because I still have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knees to Baal. They have not eaten at Jezebel's table. But because you want to go, I will allow you to go, but not until you have anointed your successor. You have to find your Elisha. So the Bible tells us that Elijah passed by. And he saw Elisha, and there was no word spoken by him. But he threw his mantle, the coat of his anointing, at Elisha. When it hit Elisha, he knew I have to give up everything, and I must go after Elijah. So, we are told in chapter 2, or rather Second Kings 2 and, and verse 1, that when it was time for Elijah to go up in a whirlwind, that Elisha went with Elijah from Gilgal. Now, it's amazing because in going for our anointing, there must be a reference point. There must be a starting point. And all of us, if we are going to succeed, if we are going to be great in God, if we are going to do things for God, we need a Gilgal in our lives. There must be a place where we start out. Hallelujah. There must be of somewhere that we can look back and say, God, I want you to roll back the curtains of memory now and then. I want you to show me where you brought me from. I understand I was not always like this. You must have brought me from somewhere. My life was a mess. It was a ruin. I was going my own way, but you have brought me from somewhere. I've started at Gilgal. At Gilgal. At Gilgal. At Gilgal. You see, if every time you are going to defeat the enemy, you must remember something as to where you have started. Persons who cannot record their starting point will easily be discouraged and want to give up. But there must be a testimony about how you have started. What God has done for you. Hallelujah. That in days gone by, things were not always what they are looking like now. But because of the mercy of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God, I am not the person I used to be. Because God has brought me from my Gilgal and I am on my way to be endued with the power of God from an eye. But it all started. It all started at Gilgal. It all started at Gilgal. You see, when you have a testimony about what he has done for you, in the midst of your heartaches, in the midst of your pain, you can say to the devil, I was there once upon a time, but look what the Lord has done. 
done. My God, you know, I remember in the book of Samuel's, amen, when Goliath came out against Israel and he shouted, Saul, Saul, he sent me a man and all the mighty men of valor, they fled and they hid themselves and they shook like leaves. But there was a little boy who knew about his Gilgal, who had a starting point with God, who had a testimony about the power of God. He came on the scene. When you have a testimony, you can always look back and say, if he did it already, he can do it again. He can do it again. So David came and he asked some question. What is going to happen, etc.? And persons heard and persons were upset. But news got to Saul. When David sat with Saul, Saul said, Listen, young man, you can't do it because you are just a youth. But this man has been a fighting machine from his youth. But David had a Gilgal experience. And David said, You know what happened? I just want to share my testimony. Before you turn me aside, before you turn me down, before you tell me what I can do and can't do, will you just stop and listen to my testimony? And David said, I used to take care of my father's sheep back home. And one day, a bear came out to take a lamb from the sheep. And I pursued the bear. Hallelujah. I not only took back the lamb, but I killed the bear. And one day a lion came and I did likewise. And then David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He had a Gilgal experience. We all need a starting point with God. We all need a place where we start out with him. My God, I think of my days back in the hills of Clarendon in Jamaica when it seemed as if everything were going bad. I had no clothes and no shoes. I could not go to church as I would love to go to church and find clothes, etc. Because I had none. But deep in my heart, I had the experience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I was connected with Jesus. Jesus, I had a Gilgal experience, a starting point, and I decided that nothing will remove me. So the Bible tells me that they started at Gilgal. But you see, there's one thing to start, and a lot of us do that. But how many of us continue on to that place where we can be endued with the anointing power of the Most High God, that which will enable us to do things for God. So they left Gilgal and they came to Bethel. Now if Gilgal is a starting point, Bethel is a place where you receive dreams and visions. Because as we go with God, we're going to need dreams and visions. Amen. We're going to spend time with him. We're going to connect with him. He's going to speak into our spirits. He's going to tell us of things that which is to come, or rather things to come. He's going to get us to a place where the dreams and the visions of God are in our spirits and in our minds. So as he left the place of beginning, he came to a place of dreams and visions at Bethel, the house of God. A place of worship. He came there. 
And when he came there, not only that, it was a place of dreams and visions. Because you must understand that we all need a vision for our lives. We all need a vision for our families. It's one thing to say that we are here today, but where will we be tomorrow? Where will we be next week? Where will we be, where will we be next year? And all of us must have dreams and visions for our lives. So as a senior prophet led the junior prophet, he brought him to a place and said, Hey, you know what happened? You have a future. You have a great future ahead of you. But you need to get to a place where you can shut in with God. Where you can receive the visions of the Most High God. Where you can dictate as to what will happen to you hereafter. You know where you are going. You need to receive the word. Let the word dwell in your spirit richly with all wisdom. You know exactly who you are and where you are going. So they came to Bethel. You will understand that Bethel is rather an interesting place. A place when Jacob fled from his brother Esau, he came there and he slept there one night. And while he slept, he received visions. There was a ladder that connects earth with heaven. And the angels were ascending and descending. And Jacob got up and said, God has been here. And I did not know. So therefore Elijah knew that Elisha would have not been successful unless he gets to a place where God is. Because we can't make it without him. Degrees are important and this is important and that is important. But if we don't have him, we're not going to make it. For what? For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So here was somebody who was saying, I'm going to walk the road with you, boy. And you must understand that this place is important. You must spend some time right here because without God, you are not going to make it at all. But they came to Bethel. But that was not the place that they really want to go. So the journey continues. A lot of us, we stay where we are and go no further. We just stay here. But Elijah, after giving him a place of beginning, after giving him a place of dreams and visions, a place of connection with God, he led him further to Jericho. And Jericho is a place of spiritual battle. You must understand that just after you have been, just after you have received your dreams, your visions, and your connection, you are going to have a war. You are going to have a fight. So Elijah was saying that, hey, this thing will not be easy. It will not be smooth sailing. So as I take you, as I take you to Jericho, I want you to understand that this is a place of spiritual warfare. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be fights. But you must stand still at all times and see the salvation of your God. You must understand that your God is mighty. And sometimes he does not fight with bow or arrows because 
because the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to God. You must understand that it is not by might nor by power. It is by my spirit, says God. As you come to a place of battle, you must understand who is the captain of your salvation, who is the commander of your army, that he remains the everlasting God, the everlasting King. As thou not known, as thou not heard, that the Lord, the God, the creator of the hands of the hurt, he fainted not. He giveth might to those who are weak and those who have no strength. Increase their strength. Even the youth shall, shall fall and grow utterly weary. But they that wait upon the Lord and shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. He, he brought him to a place so that he would understand that the Christian life that you are called to live is not a walk in a park, but it's a warfare. He understood it because the first battle that Israel fought when they came out of Egypt, it was at Jericho. It was not, it was not, they did not fight with sticks and stones, but around the walls of Jericho, around the walls of Jericho, the army went, and seven times without a shout, seven times without a shout, but when the people made a shout, the wall came down. So as we get our dreams and get our visions, God prepares us for warfare. That there are times you have to rebuke the devil. Amen. There are times you have to plead the blood of Jesus. There are times you have to get up and lift up your hands in praise. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. But that was not the intended place because he was going for the anointing. To be induced, they came to Jordan, the place of endowment. Amen. When they got there, Elijah said to Elisha, what is it that you need? You have come this far by faith. What is it that you need? And Elisha said, I need a double portion of your anointing. Elijah said, you have asked a very hard thing, but nonetheless, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, it shall be. They went across Jordan as Elijah, as Elijah took his mantle and parted the water. They went across. There was real power and they went across. When they got there, there was lightning, thunder and all different things. And there was a chariot of fire. But the man was focused. Many a times, what defeats us is that we are not as focused as we should be. There are so many things these days that can and have distracted us from the real purpose. I want us to know without that anointing, the work will not be accomplished. Without that anointing, demons and devils will not be defeated. We need the anointing, but the enemy will send all different types of things to distract us. But Elisha kept his focus. He saw the mantle. He grabbed it. And he returned with power. He came to Jordan. The prophets looked on. But he used the power that he received. Struck the water. Asked the question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? As we journey from the place of beginning today. 
to the place of dreams and visions, to the place of battles, the place of endowment. We must understand that without his power, we can do nothing at all. So we must learn to lean and depend on Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, we ask that you will touch our hearts and touch our minds today, and that our will will be yielded to you totally, that we will always say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. We thank you, Master, for who you are and what you have said or what you have spoken to us today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. God bless you.